Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up now to Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to start in verse 8. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And the church said, Amen to that. (laughs) God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens, and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmers. And bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow, and where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name and will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. I want to talk to you this morning about rain, about the rain. I have two stories to tell you right at the beginning. One was when I was probably, I was younger, I was I was not old enough to drive yet, but I was old enough to kind of roam the neighborhood on my own. So somewhere in that age, maybe 12, 13, 14, I don't know, mom, when did you let me start roaming the neighborhood? Somewhere in there. About three. three. (laughs) That's about right. That's about right. Well, I was hanging out uh, with my cousin, Amber. So just to clarify, not my wife, Amber. We only lived in the South for a couple years. We aren't from the South. All right. So... <laughs> Sorry if you're you're from the south here this morning. Boo. <laughs> so with my cousin, whose name is also Amber, we were hanging out. I was at her house. She lives there in Kokomo, close to to Markland, the the road there, Markland. And so we were out uh, walking around. We were walking down Markland. We decided we wanted to hit up the Burger King there. So we get to Burger King. While we're at Burger King, it just starts pouring. Just like that, you know, just that sound. It started pouring rain outside. And so we waited there for a while, um, hoping that it would pass by. Uh, and, it, and it just kept going. We didn't have cell phones at that time, so, so uh, we couldn't call anybody to come get us. You know, so we, we decided, you know, we're just, we're just going to go for it. So we, uh, we just start walking home. And it didn't take long before we were just covered from head to toe, just completely drenched. So we just thought, you know what, we're already soaking wet. We might as well have some fun, right? So, so we're running, we're splashing in puddles, we're doing all the crazy stuff, having fun. Uh, we come up to this bridge um, on this road, this the fairly busy road in her neighborhood, uh, and this bridge, and on the bridge, on the side of the bridge, there was uh, this huge puddle of water, I mean, probably over a foot deep of water, and we just like dive in, like, like it's a swimming pool. We're just swimming in the pool, looking back, Probably wasn't a great idea to be playing. Oh, my mom's shaking her head. She probably doesn't know this happened. <laughs> probably wasn't the best idea to be swimming in a puddle, you know, on a bridge where cars are driving by. But we were, and we were having fun, and uh, and it was just it was just a good time. 
You know, we just were enjoying the rain. We were having fun playing in the rain. Fast forward now, several years later. Now Amber and I, my wife Amber, not my cousin, we're living in Alabama. And uh, my, my, I was, did construction at that time. And so me and my buddy Nick, uh, who I was partners with in construction, we were working on this house together. And uh, it was started off a pretty nice day. It was a kind of a sunny day. It was nice. Well, throughout the day, it just started getting gloomier and gloomier. And, um, and uh, we, we had heard the news that they were sending the kids home from school. And we started hearing the tornado sirens going off. And we're, we're thinking, you know, we're thinking like Indiana tornadoes, right? Where, you know, they're, they're you know, kind of contained. Um, they kind of hit certain areas. And we're like, you know... So that's what we're thinking. We, we go in and work a little bit longer. We eventually come home, decided maybe it'd be safer for us to go home. So we head home. Probably, you got, I think you probably got ICs or something that day. It's probably the real reason why we came home early. <laughs> they, they had uh, snow cones. But that's beside the point there in Alabama. All of you Alabama people know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah. Anyways, um, we go home. And uh, the day just keeps getting worse and worse. The clouds just looked gnarly. I've never seen clouds like that. And uh, it just starts pouring rain. Well, along with the rain comes these gusts of wind. Uh, there was hail. I mean, the, I mean, hail size of golf balls uh, falling throughout the day. And uh, we had to take shelter in our little apartment there uh, while, it, while the storm was going on. And, and as bad as it was for us, the storm was for us, we had no idea what was happening just about 15 miles, 10, 15 miles down the road from us in a little town called Hackleburg. And uh, some of our best or some of our good friends uh, named Philip and Stacy lived in Hackleburg with their few kids. And while we were, you know, worried about the hail and worried about the rain, all those things, they heard what sounded like a train coming towards their house. And just about 10, 15 miles up the road from us, there was an F5 tornado that was ripping through the town of Hackleburg. Uh, at that time, I don't know if the record has changed, but at that time, it was uh, the, the scale of this tornado, the record was it was the third largest tornado uh, that was recorded in the United States. It was literally a wall two miles wide, this tornado, that ripped through this town. And our friends, Philip and Stacy and their kids, they were right in the middle of the tornado. And Philip later on told a story where uh, at one point when they, during the tornado, he had to jump over his wife and his kids to hold on to them. And literally the entire house around them was ripped to shreds. The only wall standing, tell me this isn't God, the only wall still standing were the walls that were around them. Every other part of their house was completely gone. Philip tells, tells that he had, he had uh, cuts all throughout his back from the glass that went into his back as he was hunkered over his kids, protecting them in this storm. And so, so this storm raised havoc. It, it, it was total destruction. It completely leveled the entire city. But you know what's interesting about these two stories that in both of these stories, when we woke up the next morning, the grass was greener. It was a little bit taller. The flowers were blooming. And the seeds that were laid dormant in the ground were germinated by the rain. That whether it's a nice 
light, gentle rain that you can go out and play in the puddles or whether it's a storm that wreaks havoc and destruction, both of them still cause the seeds to grow. Both of them still cause the dormant seeds to come alive and to come out from the ground. That the rain, just like it says in Isaiah 55, the rain still accomplishes what it was meant to do, which is to awaken the seeds and to awaken the seeds in the ground and to cause life to come forth. I think it's important that we develop an appreciation for rain no matter what form it comes in. Whether it comes with lightning and thunder or puddles and laughter, it is awakening the dormant seeds on the inside of us. Amen? Now, even though both forms of rain produce results, it's safe to say that one is more enjoyable than the other, right? <laughs> right? Um, it's safe to say one's more enjoyable than the other. Let's look at Hosea chapter 6, verse 3 in the New King James Version. It says, Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. And here, here it is. Here's what I want you to hear. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. That even though, even though both rains, uh, both, both forms of rain uh, produce results, it's safe to say that, that one is more enjoyable than the other. And here it says that Jesus, that God comes like the rain. I'll tell you another quick story. While we were uh, at the ramp one year, when I was just a teenager and we were going for conferences there, um, we were in the middle of a worship service one, one time. And uh, during the worship service, uh, I, I can tell you, I could take you into that room right now and go to the exact spot that this happened at. But I remember being in the middle of the worship service and I had my hands in the air and, and we, they were singing songs and doing all the things. And all of a sudden this weight hit me. And I, I don't know how else to describe it, except it felt like somebody had grabbed my shoulders and just pushed me down. Like it was, it was that, that kind of, or, or like maybe somebody jumped on my back, like an, another adult jumped on my back. It was like this weight. But the amazing thing about the weight, it wasn't, it wasn't like a forceful thing and it wasn't an uncomfortable thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing. In fact, it was the opposite. This weight, it was like this, the glory, you know, the word uh, for the, the, the word in the Bible for the word glory is the word kabod, which actually means weight. And that's what it was. It was this glory that I just encountered in the middle of the service that literally pushed me down to my knees. And I remember that moment like it was yesterday. And in that moment, I remember it awakened something inside of me that wasn't there before. It awakened this hunger to experience the presence of God in that measure. And from that day on, I can tell you that no other presence ever could satisfy me. It awakened a seed, um, that type of encounter awakened a seed in me that nothing else would satisfy but that kind of weight, that kind of presence. And it was like, again, it was like the Lord came as the rain that day. And that rain awakened a seed inside of me to pursue his presence like I never had before, amen? I can walk you back to different times in my life where he came like the rain in that manner. 
and it awakened something on the inside of me. And you know, you can go throughout, really throughout the entire Bible, but you can, if you even just take the Gospels, you can go through the Gospels and see where his presence awakened seeds inside of people. Peter encountered Jesus and it awoke a leader of the church inside of him. Matthew, the tax collector, encountered Jesus and it awoke inside of him an apostle. The woman at the well encountered Jesus and it awoke inside of her an evangelist like no other. Blind Bartimaeus encountered Jesus and it awoke in him a vision to see. John the Baptist encountered Jesus in the womb. While he was still in the womb, while Jesus was still in the womb, John the Baptist encountered Jesus and it woke in him what the Bible says is the greatest prophet to ever walk the face of the planet. Mary encountered Jesus and it awoke in her a worshiper. And Zacchaeus encountered Jesus and it awoke in him a giver. That throughout scripture, you can see where people encounter Jesus and it awakens something inside of them. That your encounter with Jesus is not just to give you goosebumps. When he comes like the rain, it's not just for a cool experience. Every encounter with Jesus is an opportunity for something to be awakened on the inside of you. Every encounter with Jesus is an opportunity for something to be awakened on the inside of you. He comes like the rain and he awakens those dormant seeds on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. How many of you, you don't have to do it right now, but how many of you could give testimony to encounters you've had with God where he's come like the rain and he's, he's awakened something on the inside of you? How many of you? Yeah, Amen. He comes like the rain, and the encounter is not just for goosebumps. The encounter is an opportunity for him to awaken something on the inside of you. There are times when the rain comes. There's those good times when the rain comes, like we just described. But there are other times when the rain comes, and it brings with it lightning and thunder and destructive winds. And what do we call those? Man, you're all smart. We call those storms, right? And it's, it's, a, it's an analogy we use often, especially in the Christian world, where storms, they're those seasons of life that are difficult, that are hard, that you're facing issues and you're facing things in life that you would rather not face. And they're hard moments, like, like the moment Horatio Spafford, that I just told you the story, the moment that he went through, that storm of life. And sometimes rain doesn't come in puddles and laughter and fun, sometimes rain comes with destruction. Rain comes with issues. Rain comes with difficulties and things that are difficult and hard. Amen? That's not a good place to say amen, is it? It's not. Storms are no fun. It's true. Storms are no fun, but sometimes the rain that comes, comes in a storm. If you're going to talk about storms, you might as well talk about the worst storm ever in the Bible, right? Go big or go home is what we say here, right? The worst storm in history, Noah's flood. The worst storm in this storm was so bad that literally only eight people in the entire world survived. Now that is a rough storm. 
eight people survived. So we all know this story. I'll briefly give it a summary. God, God says that the wickedness of the earth has just gotten way out of hand, and he's decided that, that it's time to cleanse the earth. And so he's going to send this storm. And in the midst of that, he tells Noah, the only one that was found righteous. You know, there's eight people that made it on the boat, but seven of them only made it on the boat because they knew Noah. <laughs> so God tells Noah to build the ark, right? He tells him to build this place of refuge, this place of safety of that, that will guard him and will protect him in the storm, this, this refuge that will float on top of the turbulent waters, right? And so he tells him to build this boat. So Noah builds the boat. And I love what it says in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. Go ahead and pull it up. That it says, after he built the boat, it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I want you to notice the language God uses here with Noah. What does he say there? What's the very first word he says to Noah? Come. He doesn't tell him to go onto the ark. He tells him to come onto the ark. What's the implication here? The implication is that he, that God, is already in the place of refuge. He doesn't tell him to go somewhere that he's not. He invites him to come to where he is. And here's, even though storms are difficult, even though storms are hard, here's the beautiful thing about storms, that storms can be an invitation for you to come into the presence of God, to come into a place of safety and shelter that even though you have to go through the storm, he is with you through it that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us, that in the middle of the worst storm, in the middle of the most destructive thing that ever happened in human history, God was not in heaven watching it happen. He was with Noah in the middle of the storm. I believe it's Psalms 29. It tells us that in the, during the great flood, it says that the Lord sat enthroned during the flood, that he gave his people peace and he gave his people strength, that in the middle of a great storm, in the middle of whatever you're going through in your life, the Lord promises you, one, that he has not surrendered his throne. He has not surrendered his throne. And the other thing he promises you is that through it, he gives his people peace and he gives his people strength. Amen? That God invited Noah onto the ark to join him in the place of refuge. And I want to tell you that if you are going through a storm now, there's an invitation for you to come into a place of refuge. As, uh, Matthew 6, 6, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in where? The secret place. That your father is in the place of of refuge, that under the shadow of his wings, it says in Psalms 91, under the shadow of his wings, we can take refuge through any storm. Amen? Let's look in Matthew chapter 14. We have a real similar story here about another storm the disciples were going through. Matthew 14, verse 22, says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat 
and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So they just uh, finished performing. I believe, yeah, they fed the 5,000. Jesus, uh, they're about to go to the other side of the river, other side of, of, the, uh, of the sea. And Jesus tells them, the disciples, to get into the boat and to go ahead of him while he stays back to finish some things. So Jesus, they get into the boat without Jesus and begin heading to the other side of the sea. It says in verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, man up, right? <laughs> he said, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, it is, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Look at this next verse here in verse 29. So he said, come. So he said, come. Sounds an awful lot like Noah, doesn't it? That in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the storm, Jesus invites Peter to come and to draw near to him. Here's what I find interesting, though, about the story. In the story of Noah, he invites him to come into a place of shelter, right? He tells him to come into the ark, the, the place of refuge. But with Peter, in this story, he actually tells him to come into the storm, to step out of the place of refuge and to step into the middle of the storm. And here's what I found interesting about this verse. In one, he tells him to come into the shelter. and another, he tells him to come out of the shelter, which tells me that the shelter is not the safe place. The safe place is wherever he is. Wherever Jesus is standing, that is the safe place. And in one instance, he tells you to come into the place of refuge. And in another instance, he may tell you to face the storm head on, head on to come into the middle of the storm. But whichever situation you're in, as long as he's the one inviting you to that place, you are in the safest possible place you could be. And in the middle of that, he will give you peace and strength, whether you're in the refuge, waiting the storm out, or whether you're having to walk on top of the waves and the wind and the seas. Either way, with you or with him, you are safe. Amen? Amen. Come. When you're in the middle of a storm, there's this great invitation. There's this invite for you to come. There's this invitation for you to come. Noah, God says to Noah, Noah, you're, the, the face of the planet is about to completely change. I'm inviting you to come into this place. That Peter, there's a storm raging all around you, but I'm, I'm inviting you to walk on top of the waves and the sea and come to me. That in the middle of the storm, there's this great invitation. 
Another really neat thing about this story with Peter. You know, we're talking about how rain awakens the seed inside of you this morning. Look at the seed that was awoken in the middle of this storm in Peter. That this seed of faith that was dormant inside of Peter, that in the middle of this storm, that the, the rain that came in the middle of the storm, the presence of Jesus awoke the seed inside of him. It germinated the seed of faith inside of him to where when he saw Jesus out on the water, he had enough faith to believe that if I step out on the water, if he invites me to come, that I will step my foot on the water and I will not sink. That the storm, the rain that he encountered awakened that dormant seed of faith inside of him. And you may be thinking, well, yeah, but tell the rest of the story, Josh, right? Peter gets out on the water. He begins walking. And what ends up happening to Peter? He starts looking around. He starts seeing the waves and the, and the wind and starts seeing the storm all around him. And he begins to become fearful, right? And he begins to sink in the, in the water. But here, here's the thing about seeds. Seeds grow in stages, don't they? All, we have probably two-thirds of farmers in the room this morning, and we know that, that seeds grow in stages. And there's a verse I want to read you here in Mark chapter 4, verse 28. It says, For the earth yields its crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. And, and, and yes, I want to, you, you may be saying that, that, that Peter began to sink, but what I want you to, to see is that that moment awakened the seed inside of him and he stepped out onto the boat. And then from that story, it goes on and he witnesses Jesus perform miracles. He witnesses Jesus make blind Bartimaeus' eyes open. He witnesses uh, Jesus teach the crowds. And, he, and throughout his time, there's a little bit more water a little bit more rain, another encounter, another, another uh, moment where he witnesses Jesus perform a miracle. All of these things begin watering his seed of faith and it begins growing little by little by little. At one point, Peter looks at Jesus and Jesus says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That faith gave him the eyes to see who Jesus really was. And little by little, Peter's faith grew until he finally gets to the moment where he's at the gate called Beautiful. And he stands in front of a man that was lame from his mother's womb. And the man holds out his hand and he asked Peter and John, or Peter and who is it? Peter and who? John. Okay, I was right. Good. I should have just went with it. <laughs> Peter and John. He asked Peter and John for alms. And what does Peter do? Peter looks at him and he said, silver and gold have I not. But what I do have, I give to you now. And he says, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And the man that was lame from his mother's womb rose up. And it says that the man began leaping and shouting for joy. So much so that the entire crowd that was there witnessed the miracle that was performed at the hands of Peter and John. So yes, Peter 
may have started to sink in the middle of the storm. But that storm awoke a seed in him that grew a little bit more each time he encountered the rain until eventually he was able to look at the man and say, I don't have silver and gold, but I do have something. I have a faith to believe that the works that Jesus did, greater works we will do because he's gone to be with the Father. And the faith that was awakened in the storm grew to become a faith that pulled lame man to their feet. I want to ask you this morning, what seeds are lying dormant inside of you this morning? What seeds are lying dormant inside of you this morning? And, and an equally as important question, what seeds has God awakened on the inside of you that he is continuing to water? You know, sometimes I think we get disappointed in ourselves and our walk with Jesus because maybe our, our faith like Peter's kind of stumbles a little bit. That we maybe start off strong, but when we're halfway through, when we're walking on those winds and those waves and we're in the middle of the storm, our faith begins to falter a little bit and we become maybe disappointed in something or maybe we start to ask questions and begin to doubt and all of those things. We become disappointed in the way that we're walking. But I wanna tell you this morning, that the storm has awakened a seed on the inside of you. And that, the, that we can take the opportunities that the God gives us. Every time he waters the seed, it's growing more and more and more. That the seed he has awakened on the inside of you, he is not, what does it say? He says, he says that, um, I forget what he says. Jesus says something really good. <laughs> He says, the, the work I have begun in you, I am faithful and just to complete it. And some of you are walking around and maybe your seed is only at the sprout stage. I wanna tell you that's all right. That's okay. God's not disappointed. He wasn't disappointed in Peter when he started to sink. That God realizes that it's just a sprout and he's going to continue watering that seed until you can look at the man that who is lame and tell him to rise up and walk. That as we continue to allow the rain of his presence, that as he comes like the rain and we allow him to continue to water our faith on the inside of us, that he is going to continue growing those seeds on the inside of us. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. I'm going to read Isaiah 55, 10 again. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. That it always produces fruit that every encounter you have with the Father is an opportunity for those seeds to be awakened on the inside of you. That every encounter we have with Jesus, whether it be in worship together 
here in this room, whether it be in a message, whether it be at home in your prayer closet, every encounter with Jesus is growing that fruit on the inside of us. Whether it's his presence in a moment of joy and in worship, or whether it's encountering the rain in the middle of the storm, all of it he uses to grow what's on the inside of us. He uses it all. He wastes nothing. Someone needs to hear that this morning, that he wastes nothing, that even in the midst of the storm, even if there's destruction all around you, he wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. And he is growing things on the inside of you. I didn't have this in my notes to share this morning, but there's another story in the, in the gospels where the apostles found themselves on a boat in the middle of a storm. I don't know, they, you, they were fishermen. Most of them were fishermen. You would think they would be able to know when a storm was coming, but, but they find themselves in the middle of a sea often in, in, the, in this story as well. They're in the middle of the sea and the storm came. And uh, Jesus this time is on the boat, but Jesus is asleep on the boat in the middle of the storm. And the disciples are all in a panic, right? The apostles are all in a panic, uh, thinking they're all gonna die. And Jesus is just at complete peace, sleeping through the storm. He didn't seem to be bothered at all by the storm raging around them. The disciples, you know the story, the disciples wake him up and they're like, Jesus, how are you sleeping through this? How are you sleeping through this? How are you at rest when we're all afraid for our lives? Jesus looks at him and he says, oh, you have little faith. And I don't think that's necessarily a slam from Jesus. I don't think Jesus is slamming them. I think he's looking at them saying, listen, your faith is still growing, right? You're still a sprout at this point and that's okay. He says, oh, you have little faith. And then he looks at the winds and the waves and he calms them, right? He speaks to them and they calm. I heard this thought from another a pastor here recently, he said, what if Jesus was at peace and sleeping during the storm because he never intended to calm the storm? What if he was using the storm to accelerate the boat to get to the other side? What if he was using the storm and the winds to push them a little harder and a little faster to accelerate them to their destination? I wanna ask you the same question this morning. Maybe you've been in a storm, maybe you're in a storm right now. What if that storm, what if God uses that storm? Listen, he wastes nothing. What if that storm is accelerating you to a place that you would never would have been able to get to if it wasn't for the place or wasn't for the fact of you being in the middle of the storm? And it reminds you that he was at peace and rest. And I believe when we have faith in Jesus that in the middle of the storm, whether he silences the waves or whether he doesn't, that we can have the same peace that he carries because he has invited us to be with him.